Maine's Political Pulse is made possible by listeners and by Lee Toyota, servicing Teslas and all makes and models of electric vehicles from tires to brakes. Learn more at LeeToyota.com. Welcome to Maine's Political Pulse. I'm Steve Missler, Maine Public's chief political correspondent. This week and through the election, the Pulse team is partnering with Maine Calling to deliver news and analysis through the November election. What you're about to hear is a lightly edited version of today's live broadcast with reporter Kevin Miller, host Keith Shortall, and myself. Let's start off with some uh, fact-checking, just for the heck of it. Uh, as, as we said, we've got a month or so here before the, less than a month before the election, and the race for governor in Maine has unleashed really a torrent of television and digital ads, many as campaign ads often do, containing dubious claims and omissions of context, or in some cases, outright falsehoods. So let's start with the group that is pushing a message that Democratic Governor Janet Mills, the incumbent, supports raising the gas tax by 40 cents. So let's uh, play that clip first here now, if we could. Joe Biden and Janet Mills are crushing Maine families with rising costs. Mills' agenda will raise energy costs, hike Maine's gas tax, and increase grocery bills. And the Biden-Mills crush stop Janet Mills. The top funder of Maine Families First is Thomas Klingenstein. Okay, and we'll, we'll start with Steve. Steve, what is the truth behind this? Is she trying to uh, pass a 40-cent gas tax? No. And the ad leaves the impression, Keith, that Governor Mills has either raised the gas tax by 40 cents or is, or is going to upon her reelection. And neither claim is true. The ad is attempting to chain Mills to this 2019 bill that would have taxed carbon pollution, a proposal that critics said would raise gas and fuel prices. A bunch of Democrats did sign on to that proposal, but Mills wasn't one of them. In fact, her opposition is one of the reasons the bill never advanced. It, it didn't even get a vote in the House or Senate. It just died uh, between the bodies. And that's because Democratic leaders recognized two things. One, that the proposal would either be used against them in an election, and they were right about that, and that Mills would likely veto it. But the bill lives on in campaign ads, including those by the main GOP. The difference between the GOP ads and this one is the framing. And the, the GOP ads basically frame the, the bill as something Democrats tried to do and something they might do again. This ad goes further and, and suggests it already happened or will. There's a lot in there for such a short ad. Um, but the, the group <laughs> here, uh, which is Maine Families First, which is the disclosed group behind the advertisement, is not actually Maine Families First, but is actually another group? Yeah, it's Maine Families First is essentially a front group for the American Principles Project, which is a national conservative group that's spending millions of dollars in several states trying to defeat Democratic governors. This is the same group that impersonated the state's largest news organization over the summer to push anti-LGBTQ messaging, and then later engaged in a text campaign that claimed Mills is forcing school kids to read controversial books like Gender Queer. She isn't. Now, it, it looks like it's currently pivoting to pocketbook issues, and it has plenty of money to do that. The ad you just heard was part of a $1 million ad buy. So, and at the, the very last line of the ad says that uh, Thomas, someone named Thomas Klingenstein is the top funder uh, behind the ad. Uh, is that not true? 
Well, we know that he is, Thomas Klingenstein has donated to Maine families first before. He's donated $100,000 to a previous uh, slate of ad buys. It was that text campaign that I mentioned uh, earlier. But it's unclear whether he's the only donor because the group basically timed this recent $1 million buy in such a way that it avoids disclosing its donors, at least for the time being. Now, Klingenstein is chairman of the Claremont Institute, which is a California based think tank that is considered to be sort of the nerve center of the modern conservative movement. And one of its attorneys, John Eastman, advised former President Trump when he attempted to overturn the 2020 election. And he was actually subpoenaed by the January 6th Congressional Committee investigating that attack. Klinkenstein also has some uh, main connections too. He, he owns some property in the state. All right. Well, let's uh, move along to the uh, well-established campaign tradition of frightening or angering senior voters. Uh, a group called Better Maine is claiming that former Republican Governor Paul LePage tried to cut Social Security when he was in the Blaine House. So let's listen to that ad now. I was a public health nurse for 29 years. I went into the homes of my neighbors, including many seniors, and cared for them. Then Paul LePage became governor, and everything changed. He kicked seniors off Maine's low-cost prescription drug plan. He cut a Social Security program when it was needed most, and even opposed Meals on Wheels funding. How cruel is that? We can't go back to Paul LePage. The top funder of Better Maine is the Democratic Governors Association. Okay, so Kevin, did then-Governor LePage actually try to cut Social Security in Maine? Yeah, so the claim that LePage, quote, cut Social Security when it was needed most really isn't accurate. Uh, Social Security is a federal program. Neither LePage nor any other governor could cut federal Social Security benefits that are supposed to flow to retirees. Yeah, I'll try not to get too deep in the weeds here because it does get pretty weedy, but what the ad appears to be referring to is LePage essentially nixing a program that the legislature tried to create that would have addressed a backlog in the processing of applications for disability benefits through Social Security. LePage didn't like the idea, so he used his line item veto to remove it from the state budget. But, you know, you really can't explain that in a 30-second ad. And, of course, Better Maine, which is actually the state arm of the Democratic Governors Association, you know, they don't want to do that anyway. They just want to paint a picture of LePage kind of whacking away at Social Security and other support programs for seniors. But the ad is correct in that he did try to eliminate the drugs for the elderly program and make cuts to Meals on Wheels. So uh, another ad here we have is also from the same group, Better Maine, uh, here focused on another hot-button issue, implying that if LePage were elected to a third non-consecutive term, he would ban all abortions, even in the case of rape or incest. So let's play that ad now. Let's do it. That's what Paula Page said about striking down Roe v. Wade, ending a woman's right to an abortion. We shouldn't be surprised. As governor, LePage supported letting states completely ban abortion, with no exceptions for rape, incest, or the life of the woman. He stood with extremists who'd outlaw abortion and defunded family planning programs. If that's what he did then, why would we ever trust him now? The top funder of Better Maine is the Democratic Governors Association. Okay, so Steve, the, the operative phrase there at the top, let's do it. Uh, the message is pretty, is pretty clear, but put this issue in context, if you would. Well, this is a pretty tricky one, Keith, because like so many of the ads hitting Republicans on the issue of abortion, 
It's using past statements to basically make predictions about what they'll do if they're elected in November. In this case, they're using a clip of LePage from 2018, the Let's Do It clip, to suggest that he supports banning all abortion, even in cases of rape or incest. Now, LePage and his campaign vehemently deny this, and LePage reiterated that denial during our debate last week. But the ad also shows that LePage did support overturning Roe v. Wade, and since that's happened, more than a half dozen Republican-led states have completely banned abortion, with no exceptions. In that sense, the ad's claim could be read as accurate, but it but does it reflect LePage's intentions if he's elected to another term and given a Republican-led legislature? It's a hypothetical question, but one with real consequences for Maine women. You know, the ad producers clearly understand this, and it looks to me like they're using the power of uncertainty to per, uh, to persuade voters that LePage is a threat to abortion. So, uh, and, and we, as we noted, have reported last week when uh, in the debate, uh, former Governor LePage insisted that when, when pressed that that he would not support any future bill if he's elected that would place more limits on Maine's abortion law. There are many who doubt LePage's statement in that event uh, that that doubt that it reflects his true position. Yeah, and that and among those that includes the uh, Christian Civic League of Maine, which is one of the state's leading uh, anti-abortion groups, and they consider uh, Paula Page to be an ally of theirs. And they essentially had a, a newsletter uh, that went out last week that said, "Don't, in, in essence, don't necess- don't necessarily believe what you heard on the debate stage from former Governor LePage," and and they they're saying that doesn't represent the totality of his position. And that's exactly what Democrats have been saying all along, especially in that ad we just mentioned. And they're basically saying you can't trust what LePage says about abortion right now because he's running for a third term. And, you know, so essentially, you know, the, the Christian Civic League and Democrats are are in alignment on this. They basically are saying, don't trust what he said if you're against abortion. He's basically one of us. And he's given anti-abortion statements in the past. He's filled out our questionnaire and given us assurances on certain things, and he'll restrict abortion rights if he's elected. So it's they're kind of helped the Democrats in that sense. Uh, let's go to the, the the final ad here, which is from the LePage campaign that takes aim at Governor Mills and asylum seekers at the same time. Let's play that uh, clip. Janet Mills, false attacks on abortion, trying to hide a failed record. Mills, giving taxpayer-funded benefits to illegal immigrants, driving up home heating and electric bills, even handing out crack pipes as overdoses and crimes surge. Paul LePage will bring Maine back, help lower inflation, electric bills and home heating costs, legal requirements for welfare, and a growing economy. Let's move Maine forward. So, Kevin, a lot going on in that ad, but the reference to giving benefits to I- illegal immigrants, is there is he referring to um, asylum seekers? Yeah, and it, it's interesting. We saw similar ads from Republicans back in 2014 when LePage won his second term for governor. And uh, they're really trying to play to this Republican base as well as some moderates and independents, I'm sure, with this illegal immigrants language. Uh, that's become a pretty loaded phrase these days. Um, you know, in actuality, the asylum seekers that the ad is referring to 
While they may have crossed the border without immigration documents or illegally, some would say, uh, but once they request asylum, they're considered legally present in the country and can typically sit, stay in the U.S. until their cases are heard. And that can take many years. Um, you know, what I find interesting in this ad, in addition to the, the juxtaposition of the dark and gloomy media, music at the beginning, and then we switch to this ni nice little happy music when it comes to the LePage's part. But th this ad comes from the LePage campaign, and it seems like it's in pretty stark contrast to the softer, gentler candidate that the campaign has been trying to, to portray uh, for LePage. He often talks nowadays about how he loves immigrants through what he says is legal immigration and how we need more of them in the workforce. But as governor, he fought for years to block asylum seekers from receiving general assistance, which is the taxpayer-funded benefits that the ad refers to. And that put a huge amount of pressure, uh, financial pressure, on Portland and nearby towns as they tried to come up with money uh, on their own to help out these immigrants who, under federal law, you know, they're not allowed to work or make a paycheck uh, on their own for, for many months and sometimes for years. We also heard the crack pipe uh, reference uh, repeatedly, and it came up in, in, in that ad, and we, it came up in our, our debate as well. Uh, but this is the, the claim that the Mills administration is handing out free crack pipes. Yeah, LePage has accused Mills of distributing crack pipes uh, several times now, including during that main public debate. Uh, Steve here fact-checked him in real time that night, but that obviously hasn't discouraged them from pushing ahead with this, this line of attack. But the, the claim that the Mills administration is handing out free crack pipes is, is false. You know, now, it's important to note here that there are programs here in Maine and around the country that do this. You know, it's part of... Uh, the harm reduction strategy uh, for probably most people are more commonly familiar with the clean needle exchange programs that are aimed at reducing the likelihood that a drug user will contract and transmit infectious diseases by sharing needles. You know, and a conservative news organization did report on two uh, harm reduction programs here in Maine that were distributing pipes, but it's important to state that, that they were not using state funds. So it's not accurate to say that Mills is, quote, handing out crack pipes. All right, so um, I want to move along to the, the great lobster story that's unfolded in this campaign. Uh, now, Maine's delegation and Governor Mills are still pretty, uh, pretty much all in, in lockstep together uh, behind the lobster industry as they're pushing back on new gear restrictions or possible closures to the fishery uh, to protect endangered right whales. Uh, but Republican Steve are still portraying Mills as as having failed the industry, essentially, despite her work with the delegation, um, et, et cetera. Is that getting any traction? Hard to tell, Keith, but, you know, as we've discussed before, this effort to frame Mills as anti-lobster has been going on for a while. And it was seeded years ago, really, when LePage and his allies were attending these pro-lobster rallies. And they've essentially been saying that Mills is too cozy with the conservation groups that are pushing the feds to enact these regulations to protect the whales, as well as the environmental groups pushing for offshore wind. Both of those things the lobster industry is against. And that's put Mills in a defensive position, I think. And, and you know, and this there was this rally in Portland that was a good example of that. You know, Mills didn't attend it. And from what we've been able to learn, she wasn't even invited. Also, the rally was organized by a conservative radio host, Ray Richardson, who was a longtime supporter of LePage. Um, so it's questionable whether Mills would have attended, even if she had been invited to it. You know, in any event, 
you know, Maine Republicans are focusing on the negative crowd reaction when Mills's name was mentioned. You know, the utility of this, I guess, is to demonstrate to the larger electorate because the lobster industry on its own isn't a very big voting constituency. But basically, they're trying to convince the larger electorate that the governor is viewed negatively by an iconic industry in this state. Tough to know if that notion is seeping into the larger electorate or if it even cares. But the GOP is certainly plowing a lot of energy into it. I mean, especially in the, the closing weeks of this campaign. And the, the lobster situation was front and center in the first district congressional debate Wednesday night in our Lewiston studios, where we saw we had incumbent uh, Democrat Shelley Pingree seeking her eighth term, facing off against uh, Republican challenger Ed Thielander, a former Navy SEAL who has not run for public office before. Uh, but th the issue of lobsters came up, uh, and specifically the delegation's response to the regulatory pressures that are, are, are mounting as the feds try to take steps to uh, protect the endangered North Atlantic right whale. We have a clip, an exchange uh, from that debate that I would like to play now. Yeah, uh, my comments were over the top, and I apologize for that. Uh, I'm very passionate about it. I mean, I love those those families. Uh, I've been, you know, in and around them since I moved to Maine, and I've been working with them, uh, you know, for the past 14 months more so. And I'm, I'm seeing the struggles they have, but nothing's been done about it. We've got to do something about it. I mean, I truly love those people. Can I have a little rebuttal? Because we didn't do nothing. We've pushed back on those entities. We've met with places like the Monterey Bay Aquarium, argued with the data. I mean, every step of the way, it's now in the courts, and we're going to continue to fight it. And look, I've lived in a coastal community for 50 years. I live in a town of 417 people. If lobster fishing were to dry up, that's the elementary school that my kids went to. That's the school that my grand children go to. I, I know all about how deeply this will impact my community. So don't say I'm not passionate about it. I use the right language and I appreciate your apology. I think that was a very good thing for you to do. So Kevin, the apology she's referring to and the apology that he gave at the top was a, a response to comments he had made at a, a rally. Can you just explain what he said and, and why he was called out for it? Yeah, so this was the rally that I think we were talking about earlier. So Ed Thielander was one of the speakers. Um, he basically compared federal regulators to rapists. And, you know, that got a pretty strong response and not surprisingly from Democrats and from uh, folks involved with, you know, working with sexual assault and sexual violence survivors. So that's why he was saying at the top that he apologized and that he acknowledged that it was over the top. Um, and then you heard Pingree respond to it as well, saying that, you know, she when she talks about these things, she uses appropriate language. Yeah. So the two actually agreed sort of, I guess, on the idea of allowing asylum seekers to work while their cases are being processed. But they kind of had a, a, a different take on the consequences of not doing so. I guess we could put it that way. Let's play uh, that clip now. Well, honestly, some of it is because everything about immigration is blocked. And I think it's partly because the Republicans use it for rhetoric and campaigns. They want to scare people. And they've forgotten that unless we have a workforce in this country, which is the number one issue I hear from small businesses, um, we don't have a future economy in this country. So all this talk about not letting people into our country, not letting them work, that they're going to, quote, take away your jobs. You know, in a state like Maine, we are clamoring for jobs everywhere we turn. So this is one of the ways uh, we're, we're going to agree. Uh, if people come here legally, legally, um, we need to get them to work and, and uh, getting them into, uh, you know, wealth because they come here and they can't work. How are they? What are they doing? 
uh, you know, they're, they're stealing or, or causing problems. So we need to get them to work. So, Steve, there you hear at the end uh, suggesting that if, if, they, if they're not allowed to work, they're, they're going to uh, steal. Is this messaging uh, his alone or did, did, did it come from somewhere else? Well, I think, Keith, it's, it's rare to hear it expressed so explicitly as we did right there. But I've certainly recognized it as the subtext of other comments from other GOP politicians. It sort of rides this notion that if asylum seekers aren't working, they're getting into trouble, which is something you don't normally hear when the topic is white people not working. In that case, it's usually that they're you know getting addicted to welfare benefits or something like that. And that's Maine's Political Pulse for this week. A reminder that through the election, the Pulse can be heard every Friday live on Maine Calling from 11 a.m. to noon, while rebroadcasts will air in the evening from 7 to 8. Digital listeners can continue to hear the Pulse wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on mainepublicorg slash Pulse. You can also find our weekly newsletter there. I'm Steve Missler. We'll talk to you again next week.